Welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast, resources, and other ways to get connected, please visit inthelight.church. Let's get into this final chapter of the Royal Refinery. I grew up in a family of barbers and beauticians. Anybody else grew up in that kind of family? Barbers and beauticians, yeah? So one of you, a couple of you. Barbers and beauticians. So I am very familiar with sitting in this chair. I'm very familiar of sitting in a barber chair because whether it was my aunt, my grandpa, my grandfather before that was a barber. I would get my hair cut by him. I have stories about that. I have stories about my aunt. Um, And then later on down the line, I would get my hair cut by other people. But I am no stranger to sitting in this barber chair. Now, there's something that we might take for granted when we sit in this barber chair, the beautician chair, and I'm sure everybody here has sat in this chair at some point. I don't know if you do your own hair or you do do it yourself, but um, when you sit in this chair, it's the most vulnerable thing you can do. I I don't think you realize, like we might take it for granted that we are sitting in a chair and letting somebody with scissors and a razor and all types of instruments that can hurt us they put us under a sheet <clears throat> so our hands can't get to them quickly. <clears throat> we are vulnerable in, in, in that we are being cut up, we are being shaped up, we are being groomed, and the tools that they're using to do it at any point can cause serious damage. And so it is one of the most vulnerable things you can do. Um, We are called, there's a scripture that says, we are seated in heavenly places. And when you imagine those heavenly places that you and I as children of God are seated in with Christ, you don't imagine this chair. What's the chair you imagine? A throne. You're right. It's a throne. He says we are seated in heavenly places. And so we are, we are destined and we are purposed and designed in Christ to sit on thrones. So when we sit on thrones, we are in positions to rule and reign, to use our influence and the power that we possess to do some work and to do some, some things on the earth. So I I think we like the idea of thrones. We like the idea of sitting there because that's when you flex your power. That's when you stretch your stuff. That's when things happen with ease because you're in that position of power. What I want to talk to you about today is the way that God sets you up to sit on a throne is he first wants to see how you do in a barber's chair. Because it's in this place of vulnerability that he says he sets you up and shapes you up to look exactly the way you need to look 
Because there's only certain people that look, that look a certain way that can sit on a throne. So this is where he shapes you up, to set you up, to sit in a place where you can rule reign. So we might like to boast and say, yeah, I'm seated in heavenly places, and that's great. And people that are actually exercising that power, people that are actually in those positions that are doing it well, doing it right, have sat in a barber chair. And I want to explain that, what that all means, that we sit in this place, this vulnerable place where we get shaped up to look like his son. Because that's what the barber is doing. The father is working on us, just like my family worked on me. It's a family affair. So family works on us to make us look like his son, like his child, so that when we sit on that throne, we're ruling and reigning like his son, like his child is supposed to. Amen? And, and, and yeah, it is important to get excited around this time because as I start getting into this, there might not be so many claps and hallelujahs and amens because it's real. Because sitting in this place is probably the most vulnerable thing you do. And not just in a barber chair, but in your development to sit on thrones. I, um, one of my favorite authors is, is Gene Edwards. Um, as of like a year or two ago, uh, I had one before that. And then he, I started reading his stuff. And I'm like, this guy is amazing. I love to read books. Anybody a reader? If you're a leader, you must be a reader. And just because you're a reader doesn't mean you're a leader. But when you're a leader, you must be a reader. Amen to all of you. That say, I fall asleep every time I look at a page. <clears throat> so um, the, the Tale of Three Kings is one of the books that's um, written and, and authored by Gene Edwards. The Tale of Three Kings. Anybody ever hear of it? This book was actually given out by my pastor, my apostle, uh, Pastor Phil, uh, this last conference we had, because he read it after we read it, and he was so excited about it, he gave it to all the pastors. I said, I already got it, but I'll take another copy. Um, it was just a fascinating book. This book goes into the story um, of King David, King Saul, and Absalom. So it's a story about these three guys. Absalom, David, and Saul. And uh, just so that you can, so Saul was the king that when the Israelites were complaining that they weren't like the rest of the people and the rest of the nations, God gave them a king. And the king that they gave him was uh, King Saul, who was a reluctant king. He was, he was tall in stature. He was ahead of the pack, all that stuff. So he gave him a king that was similar to the people that asked for the king, right? And so they, they got the king. So they might have been the, the head and not the tail, and they were, they were called to be above and not beneath. However, there were things that were going on in Israel, the same things that were going on in Saul. There was massive insecurity. There was massive what we call, if, and we'll go into this a little bit, orphanism. Felt like an orphan. So this is King Saul. King Saul comes into rule into reign, and, and, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. 
um, is looking at the life of David in particular, life of David, and how he responded to sitting in the chair. Because David, by the time that he gets brought into the scene, the king Saul is so, like, messed up in his mind. He's all over the place. He, he understands he's been rejected by God. And uh, because Saul was refusing to sit on the chair, Saul was so filled with insecurity and all this stuff that he wouldn't allow the prophets and the God's authority figures in his life to shape him up. They were just there to shape him up so that he can be the king and he can get rid of all this stuff that was going on inside of him. That just shows you you can have a title. It doesn't mean that you're, that, 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 that you're secure. It doesn't mean that you know what to do with that title or to do with that power, to do with that position. So King Saul was a picture of that. He, was, he wouldn't let himself be worked on. The, the, the prophet Samuel would try to instruct them on some stuff, and, and King Saul was like, no, I, I, I got a better way of doing it. And he would refuse to get his hair cut. And after a while, God's like, well, I put you on a throne, and I, I put you in this position, but because of the way your, your attitude and your actions and your rebellion, even after you've been positioned in this place, he had to reject them. So in some ways, Saul sabotaged the throne that he was sitting on because he refused to be developed. He refused to allow himself to be vulnerable. You, you read the story of Saul, it, it's so familiar and it's so painful to see his back and forth, his sort of schizophrenia, bipolarness towards God. Sometimes he wants them. Sometimes he doesn't want them. Sometimes he's like, yeah, I'm all for it. I love you. I love God's people. And other times he's like, get away from me. And I'm just, he's sulking and he's filled with this just distressing spirit that's on him because he refused to be shaped up and he refused to be cut and snipped because there's still areas in his development and in his character where he wasn't ready to really have that throne established for generations to come because that was God's desire for King Saul it was his desire to see King Saul's throne established generation after generation after generation and so everything that God was doing and the father was doing was working on Saul to get that to happen and so when he refuses, and it's like this final time that he just gets off the chair, he doesn't want to be developed. He doesn't want to be vulnerable anymore and let God shape him and mold him, help him through his authorities that God has put in Saul's life. But he rejects him. He's like, I'm going to look for another man. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. I'm looking for a man who knows how to sit in a chair and lit the process that goes on in that chair fully happen. So he is shaped up that looks like my son so he can sit on a throne. So you have David come onto the scene 
And check this out. The leader and the barber, if you will, that God puts David in the chair to be barbered by and to be beautified or, or whatever is who? It's King Saul. So here, the one who refuses to be on the chair is who God chooses to be the barber to the one who is after his own heart. And David, you will see in David's life that he is making himself vulnerable throughout the whole time of being twisted and turned and cut and spears being thrown at him. You remember that? All types, and this is God's authority. And what does David say each time? Like, he continues to rehearse, you are the Lord's anointed. So you are God's anointed. You are the licensed barber that God has picked for my life for me to sit on the chair and let you cut and snip and work on me. So he lets himself get his hair cut. And he sits in the chair and he makes himself vulnerable to God's authority and God's leader that that person refused to sit on the chair. And he got clipped and he got shaped up. And then when you, you read the story of David, you read the story. Let me see if I got a scripture here for you. Um, yeah, here, here's, a, here's a moment when David is having to not be in the same space because basically King Saul, who he often refers to as not just the king, but he refers to him as a father. He says, Father, he, he, he looks at him as Father. He calls him the Lord's anointed. There's this moment where Saul is, and I'm just going to refer to it for the sake of time, is, it's, it's actually found in 1 Samuel 24. It's, it's from 1 to 22. So there's a, there's a lot to read there. But I'm just going to paraphrase it, if that's okay. And here is David. He is... And, and, and Saul, coming back from Philistine battle, hides in a cave, and it happens to be in a cave in a space where David and, and some of his men are. He's in a very vulnerable position, and while he's there, David just kind of gets closer to him, kind of to take a closer look. Is, is this who it is that, you know, has been chasing me and hunting me down? And he just takes a piece of his robe um, it, just, just to to show that how close he was to him. Um, and even at that, if you read the scripture, David was like tormented, like, man, I shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't touch anything on this guy. I don't want him to think anything wrong of me in this moment. So later on, Saul, as he's walking away and he's far enough and he's distant enough because of the army that he was with, David shouts out and is like, father and, and oh king. And he's like, listen, if I had any harm in my heart, if I considered you an enemy, would an enemy let you be that close and that vulnerable and not destroy you? Because it would get rid of all my headaches. It would get rid, it would get rid of, of, of the fact that I don't feel like you're like a good barber. And, and then you're, you're, you're jacking me up and I'm not looking. So he, he lets him know, he lets him know this and he cries out to him. And Saul, in his reply to him, is like, 
oh, my son. He even calls him a son. And, he, and he's like, you are a better person than me. And, 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 and the fact that you don't think I'm your enemy. And he says, truly, you will be a king that you will be a king. This is the one that's trying to kill him because he doesn't want him to have his throne. But there's something that David does that causes the Lord's anointed, even though he's not always acting anointed-ish. That's a word. He, he says, you will sit on the throne. Powerful statement from one who wants to try to keep him from the throne. And it, it's almost like David pulled something from him based on the way he postured himself as he sat on the chair. So, so it was stuff like that that David had to go through. David was being pulled, and David was being snimmed, and, 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 and ba David was just, he was going through it as he sat on this chair being worked on by God's authority. And, and just, so that's that king, and you see David's posture for that. Later on, Saul dies in battle. It's not by David, but Saul dies in battle. You know what David's response is when he dies? He grieves. He mourns. Wow. And so he, he, that's his reaction to the death of Saul. And now he's positioned to sit on the throne. Now he's sitting on the throne. And the way that he got to the throne was through a horrific experience, if you will, getting, being vulnerable again and again, putting his heart out there again and again, intentionally leaning into his leadership, fighting for that relationship that he had with that leader that didn't know how to reciprocate the same type of love that he was giving him. This is who David is in that barber chair. Who does that sound like? David's response to the barber chair, to sitting in that place. Who does it respond? It, to me, it sounds a lot like the Son of God. It sounds a lot like who Jesus is. The reaction of David and the response of David and what God was doing with, with David and giving him that type of leader was making him more in the image of Jesus, of his Son, so that at that point that he sees the full maturity and the development and the full shaping of his son, God says, now is the time for him to sit on the throne. And he sits him on the throne because he looks like Jesus. He looks like Jesus before even Jesus shows up. God is so impressed with how much he looks like his son, that he's willing to call Jesus his son, the son of David. I'll let you just work on that. i just let you work on that. He's like, my son's going to look like you because you look just like my son. You've been shaped up good. You've been shaped up good with that on that barber's chair where you sat. So now he's sitting on the throne. And now he has a son, his son, he had many sons, but his one particular son was named Absalom. If you know anything about Absalom and you read on him, and again, for the sake of time, trust me, this is what scripture, I'm getting his characteristics from the word of God. You can read, you can read some of those things for yourself. Um, but 
Absalom is attractive. Absalom's the most good-looking guy in that day and age. He's good-looking. He is, he's, got this, he's got this manly mane of hair. This is important. So he's got all this hair, and he says, it's like, it, it says in the scripture, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemish in the dude. <laughs> Girls are just beginning to imagine right now, people in their head, get out of that space. Get out of that space. They're like, mm, mm. Let's just stay right there, apostle. Let's just, let's just think about what that would look like. <laughs> Whatever you're picturing, yeah, that guy. He look good. That guy you follow on Pinterest. Yes. Whatever. Well, that's too many laughter. Maybe I hit something. I think I hit something. I think I'm snipping away at some things. Anyway, so this is Absalom. Absalom is the son of David. Um, he ends up having beef with his father because of some stuff that happened with his sister, David's daughter, right? So he, he, he does that. And now there is friction between Absalom and his father, King David, the one who sits on the throne. So in all of that, Absalom takes a different path when it comes to him, his turn to sit on the chair. Absalom is looking to Use his persuasiveness, his good looks, his mannerisms to attract people to himself and away from the king, away from his father. It says he sits at the um, seats of the city, and when people come in, he gives them replies. He kisses them upon them coming into the gate. So he's like got that. That, that social, he's real social, he's really buddy, buddy, he's really loving, he's got all those characteristics that you would like in a friend or in a leader, he just has all those things, he looks good, so it looks good that you're associated with him, you know that, sometimes we like to be associated with people that look good, because it makes us look good, he has all that, Absalom has attracted many fans, he's got all the friends on Facebook, on an Instagram, he has all the friends, He's, he's good looking. He's, he's, got, he's got those followers. He's got everybody liking his comments and anything he posts. They're like, you go, boy, and, and, and stuff like that. I hear you. I hear you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So he's got all those fans. Absalom, um, when you read about him, he has hair that he lets nobody else cut. Literally. So I'm not, I'm just, I'm not just talking about this metaphorically now because of what I'm preaching on. Absalom has a lot of hair, but nobody's allowed to cut it, except him. He's the only one, and the only time he cuts it is when it gets so massive and so long that he sells it to people. He sells his, you know, and, and, but he lets it grow long again, and that's like after a year. And that's his story. His story is that he refuses to sit in the barber's chair to let anybody else work on him and shape him up He'll do it himself. See, here's the thing. This barber chair is setting you up to sit on a throne. And so we're seated in heavenly places. The, the idea with the children of God is that he is trying to set you up to be CEOs 
and presidents of companies and managers and overseers and key influencers. I believe that's what he wants for his children. The, nation, the, the promises of God and the way that he wants his people to look is not, he doesn't want to look, them, look like they're the leftovers, that they're one following trends. We are called to be the trend creators. We're called to be the, uh, we're, we're called to show them what it looks like and what family looks like and what education should look like and what interaction in social, what, what it looks like it should be in a microcosm of what he wants the, the nation of Israel to look like is in individual families or individual churches. And so I believe we're all called to rule and reign in the world, called to be influencers. Those are thrones, if you will. Those are places where you rule and reign and you get to influence. But if you're not a son, if you are not a daughter, if, we, if you get on the throne, you will lead other than what it is to live, to lead with the characteristics of a son or a daughter of God. And some of us are not getting into those places because we're living the opposite of what we're destined for. And the opposite of a son or daughter is what? An orphan. So here's Absalom. And he is showing the propensity or he's showing the characteristics of an orphan. So let me just help you here what, what it means to be an orphan because we're thinking, well, I got a mom, I got a dad, and they're, they're somewhere out there or I, I know who they are. And, but but I'm, I'm talking about it in a different sense. An orphan, and if we can show that slide, I want to just show you characteristics of what it looks like or what it means that we're an orphan. Orphans tend to take advantage of people for what they want to get out of them, for what they want to achieve for themselves. They're, they take advantage. Orphans uh, feel unappreciated all the time. It's like chronic. Like nobody appreciates me. Nobody says thank you enough. And, and the, the thing with an orphan is because the insecurity is so substantial that even though they are being appreciated and there has to be a certain way. It has to be so consistent and ongoing that, that it almost becomes, it becomes destructive to even give them that much stuff because you're kind of feeding like something that's just leeching and it just takes, but it never reciprocates. And then, and then you have somebody who's suspicious. So I don't know what you're up to. So, so they sit in the barber chair and they're like, I don't know about you and I don't know about you. And, and like, no, no, no one touched me and no one get that close to me. And, and as soon as somebody does anything that has any kind of indicator that there's, they get suspicious quick, so they withhold their heart. Um, they are, feel, they feel rejected. You just feel rejected. They, like, you, you, you say something to them, and it might not be the way they like it, or it might be, but as soon, any kind of snip, any type of, hey, can you do this, or do that, or what, they just, they're always feeling rejected. It's just like this, this thing, like they don't like me or this person is, is not for me. They sabotage relationships. So even the relationships they're in, they tend to sabotage it because it's just orphanism. It's like, I'm going to quit you before you fire me. So they sabotage it. Just when it's getting good, just when it gets to a place where it can be something, all of a sudden they say, I quit. They are a withholder of their heart. 
They withhold their presence and they withhold their resources. That's why they don't show up to things consistently um, that are good for them. And they withhold their heart and they hold their resources because they're suspicious and what have you. Um, they feel overlooked. And the hard part is that, this is, this is interesting about orphan. When you're looking at them, they don't want you to look at them. But then they always feel overlooked. So you darned if you do and you darned if you don't type of thing. It's like, well, I was just looking at you. Don't look at me. Don't pay attention to me. And like, I was trying to see you, but when I was looking at you, you didn't want to be look. So anyway, uh, they don't belong. They don't feel like they belong. Where do I belong? They're always asking that. And they're trying to work that out in themselves. They're trying to cut their own hair. And then they're controllers. That's why they're always trying to control things, control people. They can only be in things and situations that they can control. And then they are um, feeling victims, okay? So they, they always, everybody's doing something. This person did this. They're, they're always talking about how many people did, did stuff to them. And, and it was because of that. And it was because of this, because of the man, because of the system, because of my color, because of my age. You're just a victim. I told you it was going to be quiet in a little bit, and it was going to be hard for people to clap. You had your opportunity in the beginning, guys. All right. And then, and then they hide. They hide. Simple as that. They don't want to get their hair cut. They don't want anybody involved. So they hide. They hide from relationships that they need. They hide from people that they need. They hide from the authority that God has assigned them. They hide. They hide. It was a good day to come to church, wasn't it? It's even a good day if you just, today you decided to come out of hiding. It's a good day to come. Because now you can get a revelation to some of that orphan stuff so that you don't have to be a Saul. You don't have to be an Absalom. That you can rule and reign and be in those positions that God has always destined you for to begin to look like his son, to lead like his son. Amen? And so, so I just wanted to sh share that with you because orphans will not stay on thrones long. Or orphans will never get the throne at all. And so you have Absalom who is resisting the cutting process. And this is what it says in Proverbs 22, 30, 22. It says, there are three things, 20, uh, 30, 30, verse 21 first. There are three things that makes the earth tremble. No, four, it cannot endure. And the first thing it says in verse 22, a slave who becomes a king. So the earth trembles. Can I put it a different way? When an orphan becomes a king. When somebody who doesn't see themselves as a son, but just sees themselves as a worker and, and doing this stuff and sees himself as a less than and you put them in a position to rule and reign. Why does the earth tremble? Because if you put a servant as a king, it doesn't change anything about that servant. All they do is bring that mentality of an orphan into a throne and then from that place of influence and position, they begin to amplify it to their atmosphere and the people around them. And so when you put, a place, you put an orphan in a place of influence, guess what happens to the people that they're over? The family that they're in. The relationships they're around. They all 
feel rejected and overlooked and victimized. And that's what they gather to themselves. Orphans refuse to sit in the barber chair. And it's the reason why they never see a throne or stay on a throne. Because the barber chair is preparing you for a throne. It's shaping you up to be like a son. Saul with David makes himself vulnerable to the process that's going on with, with Saul as his barber. But David and Absalom, Absalom refuses to be touched. He refuses to be in the company. He refuses to fight for the relationship. He refuses to be under any authority. He is the final say in that relationship. This is the royal refinery, y'all. This is the royal refinery. I want to refine you to be in positions of greatness. And it doesn't feel good to go through a refining process, but the, at the end of the refining process, what you end up looking like sets you up for thrones. Can you say amen? Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date with everything going on 